This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. That's why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. One month after Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky embarked on an historic trip to Washington, D.C. to plead for more military aid, it appears that Western allies are poised to grant his wish. This week, several nations pledged an unprecedented amount of new aid packages to be sent to war-torn Ukraine. Here's a snapshot of what certain countries are providing. Denmark is pledging howitzer artillery systems and additional training for Ukraine's military. Estonia plans to send howitzer artillery systems, other artillery ammunition, and M2 anti-tank grenade launchers. Latvia is sending Stinger air defense systems, M17 helicopters, machine guns with ammo, and unmanned, uh, unmanned aerial vehicles, drones, basically. Lithuania has pledged L-70 anti-aircraft guns with ammo, M18 helicopters, and $40 million in cash. Poland says it will send S-60 anti-aircraft guns, more howitzers, and various types of ammunition. Sweden has pledged an Archer artillery system, CV-90 armored vehicles, and portable anti-tank missiles. The UK is sending, sending Challenger 2 tanks, Brimstone anti-tank munitions, AS-90 self-propelled guns, and armored and protected vehicles. Last but certainly not least, the United States is committing 59 Bradley fighting vehicles, 90 striker combat vehicles, 53 mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicles, 350 Humvee armored vehicles, and hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition. Now, I know that's a lot of information, but big picture, here's the point. Ukraine is getting a lot of assistance that it badly needs. However, these aid packages do fail to include the one specific item that Ukraine has been desperately seeking. Sophisticated German-made Leopard 2 main battle tanks. If Leopards were sent to Ukraine, they would be a game-changer on the battlefield. Representatives from 54 nations, part of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group, gathered yesterday at the Ramstein Air Base in Germany to hammer out what other aid should be provided for Ukraine. But at the end of five hours of talks, Germany said it still remains undecided on whether to provide its Leopard 2 main battle tanks. Germany's main concern is the risk that Russia will view providing heavy tanks as an escalation in the conflict, putting Germany in the Kremlin's crosshairs. Meanwhile, Reuters is reporting today that Ukraine has announced it will begin training its troops to use the Leopard tanks in Poland while it awaits a decision. During Friday's meeting, Zelensky, who spoke via live stream, expressed a dire need for more sophisticated weaponry. You hundreds of times, and it will be absolutely just and fear, given all that we have already done, but, but hundreds of thank you are not hundreds of tanks. All of us can use thousands of wars in discussions, but I cannot put wars instead of guns that are needed against Russian artillery. Okay, it's uh, 23 January in the year of our Lord, 2023. It's Monday. Uh, we're off to a very hot start this week already, but we've got to pivot and uh, really drill down on Ukraine. Be before we do that, I got Rebecca Koffler. We're trying to get Rebecca on Saturday, and that was her cold open for Saturday. Some things have changed. Actually, the Germans saying that they're telling the Poles they can they can um, 
give them the tanks, at least some of the tanks. We're going to talk about all that here in a moment. I want to start with John Mills, though, and I'll get Rebecca in for her opinion. Major development today on, uh, and John explained this to us, uh, an arrest of a FBI counterintelligence officer that was part of the Trump investigation into the phony, the fake news phony investigation into Russian collusion, and now uh, a senior FBI agent is is uh, is arrested, sir. Yeah, Steve, I I I couldn't believe what I was reading. Uh, this is stunning. Uh, this is Charles McGonigal. He retired in 2018, but Kim, and I think this is almost even more disturbing, one of the courtroom reporters who probably was a DOJ or FBI contractor, and that Sergey Shestakhan was also arrested. So there was two of them, and they were working together. So he's re- uh, Charles is retired, and he's under the pay of one of these Russian oligarchs. So essentially, this collapses everything Russia, Russia, Russia. This is stunning. I mean, I don't, I, I can't believe this. This is uh, everybody who's shouting Russia, Russia, Russia. We have an FBI insider, a senior who was in on it, retires in 2018 and, and goes on the payroll of one of these Russian oligarchs that everybody was pointing to and shouting out about Donald J. Trump. So th- this this goes back. Well, how long was he working for them? This essentially taints everything the, the, the FBI has done on Russia, Russia, Russia. And I've looked up. I mean, I just couldn't believe my eyes. I looked up. I wanted to make sure the DOJ has actually formally made their press release. And for, I, I think I just sent it to you uh, four hours ago. DOJ did an official pre- press release. This is real. This is a stunning turn of events. So they're in on it. There is a deep state. Uh, we have people uh, inside the FBI who are bought off, uh, inside the Department of Justice who are bought off. And uh, he didn't believe me. He didn't just retire and then think about working for this Russian oligarch. This throws everything 20 years into the past in question. I mean, this is Jesus James Angleton always thought there was an insider at CIA during the Cold War. And he was wrong. There was actually three. Larry Wu Tai Chin who uh, committed suicide just down the road in the Prince William County Jail after he was arrested. He was giving everything to China. Uh, we had Alder James at the CIA giving everything to Russia. And then even after the, the two of them were, were were found, we had Robert Hansen at the FBI continuing, who wasn't arrested until 2001. This shows that our deep state law enforcement and intelligence is just riddled, riddled with turncoats. So everything Russia, Russia, Russia is now Was painted. this, w- was, w- was was he high enough level being a counter, I guess, a counterintelligence uh, officer? You got these things in the New York office. You've got these field offices. And clearly, New York is the center of counterintelligence, probably even more than Washington, D.C. Was he senior enough, you think, to to impact this? I know the, the MSNBC and the, and the people that are the Praetorian media guard for uh, for uh, for the national security state are kind of in shock today. They weren't expecting this. Was this guy that senior? They could have done some oh, real damage. He's senior. And then again, I really want to point to the arrest of that uh, that court recorder. That shows they have a senior person and a line worker who is who's actually doing the notes, uh, Sergei uh, Shestikov. Uh, who probably was a DOJ or FBI contractor, might even been a governor himself. This is 
stunning. So not just one, but two. This shows a RICO conspiracy uh, inside of our, our, our what's supposed to be our, our senior law enforcement. And yes, to be the counterintelligence and, and, and officer saying, for the law and this will lead, and this will lead to, to other things. Uh, go back. What has it been? Describe what he actually did on the Trump uh, Russia collusion investigation. I know the headquarters for our campaign, of course, Trump's um, company is there, and he was a New York field officer, I think, or field agent. Uh, do we know the the specifics of what he did on the Russia on the Russia collusion part? Uh, it doesn't say yet, and I, I'm I'm looking through uh, uh, both the report and also the DOJ announcement. But he was head head of the counterintelligence, so he probably has anywhere from twenty to fifty yeah. direct reports working for him, in addition to running uh, sources and sor- uh, be- being an FBI source is an official status. So this guy probably has several dozen people working for him. And yeah, in 2015, and, and it was early 2016 where I realized something was up because all of a sudden inside at the top secret meetings, all of a sudden this tee tee the Russians, it was always the Russians. For some reason, the Chinese were far more capable. It was always the Russians are now spying on, on the campaigns. And then all of a sudden, they're very interested in Donald J. Trump. Well, how much of this was created by this senior special uh, agent for the FBI? No, head of counterintelligence up there. Uh, real quickly, uh, your since you spent a essentially a career in intelligence, give us your assessment of the Biden uh, crime scene, the top secret uh, compartmented uh, crime scene uh, that you've been seeing going on. Well, this is a train wreck on top of a train wreck on top of a train wreck. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this if they tried. Uh, so now we're, we're hearing that Merrick Garland, who originally I was giving a semi kudos to for actually launching the uh, 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 launching the, the special counsel, but maybe he was pulling a George Gascone and just wanted to smother the story because it, it turns out that the sure. FBI was at was actually uh, Oh, they want. They didn't want to disrupt anything. They didn't want to unsettle the American public. This was, you know, two Americans were too busy trying to get their uh, vaccine shots, so they couldn't. Uh, this would, this would, this would trigger them. So even before the midterm election, uh, we have uh, the Attorney General essentially negotiating with the White House. You don't negotiate on a crime like this. And we're just having, this is called a spill, spill after spill after spill uh, with, uh, with Biden. And it appears that, uh, uh, that the Merrick Garland was actually aware of it and they were behind the scenes negotiating even before the election. This is a full blown conspiracy uh, on, on the top secret documents. There, there is no moral equivalency because uh, they're saying, "Oh, this is uh, this is no different than, or, or this is this is far different than uh, than Trump." Uh, yeah, it is far different. It's far worse. Yeah, John. How do people get to the book, and then how do they get to all your writings? How do they get to your what are your coordinates on social media? Uh, yeah, thank you. It's uh, Colonel Rhett John on Getter, Colonel Rhett John on Getter, also on Truth, and then the book, The Nation Will Follow, is on the, the nationwillfollow.com. The nation will follow.com. A very disturbing book about an insider's perspective on, on what's happened to this country. John, uh, Colonel John Mills, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, Steve.
Rebecca Koffler, uh, first, I want to ask you, uh, you were, John was uh, Army Intel and in DIA. Uh, you were a, a, a DIA, uh, Defense Intelligence. Give me your assessment today of, of the importance and magnitude of this arrest of the FBI counterintelligence officer today in, in New York. Well, this is effectively a smoking gun, uh, Steve, that the real uh, collusion hoax was concocted by the U.S. spy agencies, right? It's not just the FBI and uh, Jim Comey and his minions, but it's also um, former DNI, uh, James Clapper, and uh, former CIA director, John Brennan. So we called it back the CIA a self-licking ice cream cone. What uh, it seems like was happening was FBI was hiring Russian uh, intelligence agents to write reports to them that they were putting in the intelligence stream. So this whole Russia conclusion uh, is a hoax, and these people are treasonous because they wanted to remove um, a democratically elected president uh, Donald Trump from power. But the significance of this, Steve, is this, for the current conflict, and we are steadily uh, sleepwalking into nuclear Armageddon with Russia. And what happened was they misdirected tremendous resources on chasing the non-existent collusion instead of really following and uh, providing indications and warnings about what the real Russian threat was. So the real threat um, and Putin's perception that NATO was going into war with Russia, which right now is actually backed up by the force posture and all the weaponry that we're sending to Ukraine. This is how uh, Putin is interpreting it, and he's preparing for an all-out war, and he's changing, you know, from the special military operations into a large-scale war, which the Russians pre uh, predicted back 10 years ago. And the Pentagon is... Hey, so hang, so hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, slow down. Let me go first off the uh, on the FBI side. I want to go back to that for a second. Yes. The, the, explain to the audience who the oligarch because oligarchs because we're going to get into a second. All of a sudden, Ukraine, Zelensky's got old time religion, uh, and so let me connect some dots there. The Minister of Interior, which is the guy that oversees the police and oversees all that, he mysteriously dies in an accidental helicopter crash into a what a school the other day. Then Zelensky comes out. He's got he's got old time religion that corruption is now his number one priority, right? Zero tolerance, and he's got guys. His cabinet members sure. tell that they were going to start doing arrest of oligarchs. I mean, this is all the sudden, all the sudden that this is his his number one priority. So the oligarchs on the uh, on the Ukrainian side, and this is all because MAGA. We've made such a big deal of no more money to Ukraine, and any any money that ever be going has got to have an audit, and and of course. Um, uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and others are hammering every day about the audits, the audits. So all of a sudden they got religion, like corruption's our number one priority. But I want to talk about oligarchs on the other side. Describe to our audience who this oligarch is that supposedly was paying this this uh, the counterintelligence agent. And how does he fit into this to this narrative about Trump? 
Well, basically what is happening, the FBI is hiring these oligarchs, right, uh, as sources so that they can debrief them and create um, reports, intelligence reports such as the fake steel dossier, right? So this is what this person was. And effectively, he was on the payroll, but also it seems like the FBI was completely penetrated, as your previous guest, uh, the colonel, noted. So it is riddled with spies. So it's basically conspiracy on top of a conspiracy on top of a conspiracy. And so this are is you what saying the American... The, are you saying Der, 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 Der Spinko, you're saying the Russian oligarch was actually in, an, in a working arrangement with the FBI to give him information? That's what my intelligence analysis is, uh, is telling me. It's a similar thing that we had with Igor Danchenko. Remember, Danchenko was on the payroll of the FBI. And the, our own U.S. citizen, Carter Page, as you remember, who actually himself was risking his life collecting intelligence to help the CIA. So he was put under surveillance. And he was doing all this work for free while the Russian spy who was connected to Russian intelligence, Igor Danchenko, was paid by the FBI. You can't make this stuff up. So we have an analogous situation uh, in this case. Okay, let's go back to uh, how serious, by the way, given the level of seniority of the counterintelligence officer, how serious is this? You believe this is the tip of something that shows that the FBI has been penetrated, particularly the Russian aspect of this, ma'am? I do. It's, it's because the Russians uh, have never really stopped their intelligence penetration of our efforts of our spy agencies, right? Remember, with the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, everybody thought, oh, you know, we're all friends now, let's all sing Kumbaya, and um, a former U.S. President George uh, Bush looked into Putin's eyes, by the way, when Condoleezza Rice was uh, just penned an op-ed in the Washington Post, you know, with her infinite wisdom, right? She was his uh, advisor. Uh, Bush saw some soul in, uh, in Putin. But at the same time, Putin sent 10 sleeper agents back in 2000 into the United States and the FBI uncovered and had to pull the, the trigger, right, uh, in 2010. And stupidly, those people were sent back to Moscow instead of flipping them, right? So the Russians never stopped their efforts to em penetrate our spy agencies. But it's not just the Russians. Um, uh, Chinese as well, just like the colonel uh, said. And so very conveniently, these types of people are creating, meaning the, the Russian oligarchs whom we're using as stupidly as sources, right? They are creating all of these anti-Trump, anti-U.S. president. And it's not just Trump. The Russians are agnostic, okay? They view every U.S. president um, as a threat to Russia, right? So they try to... Um, to create, to foment discord. They are targeting both sides, Republicans and Democrats. But unfortunately, it's only Republicans, and especially the MAGA people, 
who understand the intricacies of what the Russians and the Ukrainians in this case are doing. And they both are corrupt, by the way. And, and so, but the Democrats, the liberals are drinking Kool-Aid and they are, you know, uh, decreasing the security of our own country by keeping, you know, the steady flow of this super superior uh, weaponry into Ukraine and depleting our own uh, weapon stockpile right now. Okay, let's 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 go back. You've been arguing this for a while, and uh, and what you have been telling our audience is coming true. I want to define the difference between a, a special military operation and large scale war. Because if if you don't watch the War Room or Tucker Carlson, uh, which I don't think the only two that really nail it, you, you you if you watch particularly MSNBC and CNN or read the New York Times or Washington Post, Putin's been losing. Uh, you know, every two weeks he's supposed to be losing. It's over. It's a coup. He's gone, etc. And yet, it looks like he's consolidated his uh, the the the, the tactical part of it in eastern Ukraine, right? And it hasn't been pleasant. And I'm not saying it's justified or not, but it is what it is. And he obviously has control over Crimea. What is this pivot that you've been calling for? And you said that you don't understand Putin's mind. He's going to pivot at one time to large scale. Uh, a large-scale warfare. Uh, what was the special military operation, and why do you see this transit? What's the evidence that you see that this transition's happening to what they're concerned about, this winter offensive that everybody believes is going to start here in the next couple of weeks, probably close to the, the first-year anniversary, that he's going to shift now to large-scale war, warfare? Exactly. So the difference in the Russian doctrine between the special military operation and the large-scale war is this. Um, the operation that Putin launched on February 24th of last year had limited goal, okay? He originally planned to establish control over Ukraine, um, remove Zelensky from power, but not actually own Ukraine as a country. He didn't plan on occupying the entire Ukraine. He simply wanted to install, you know, um, a pro-Russian puppet government whom he could control. Okay, he failed in achieving that goal. And so he scaled down his objectives. He then proceeded to chop off uh, 20% of Ukraine, annexed uh, Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporizhia, and Kherson, which are strategic areas, right, plus Crimea. And he would be pleased if the West recognized that part as Russian, that the Russians believe the majority of Russians belong to Russia, the view it in Russia is as Russian, especially Crimea, that for centuries belonged to Russia. Okay, so then we, the United States and NATO, we have expanded the scope and scale of the weaponry we are providing to Ukraine, what originated as, you know, blankets and uh, night vision goggles right now is effectively strategic type of uh, military hardware, right? We're talking uh, Bradleys, which are tank killers. Uh, we're talking um, Patriot uh, missiles. So what Putin is seeing right now 
is what the Russian general staff predicted about a decade ago. And we knew it in the intelligence community. And I personally briefed scores and scores of uh, four stars, uh, the combatant commands, uh, including European Command, Strategic Command, that's the one that's in charge of our nuclear weapons and systems, Northern Command, which is in charge of protecting the United States and Canada. I briefed NATO in the run-up to Putin's invasion of Crimea in September 2013. Nobody wanted to do anything about it. They saw it as Putin's uh, bravado, um, but also, they just didn't, you know, it's very easy to just react to everything instead of practically develop a deterrence strategy. And so what Putin is now, he is confirming, it's bias confirmation, right? In the intelligence business, we have something that's called confirmation bias, right? So the general staff predicted that the war was inevitable between uh, the United States and NATO on one side and uh, Russia on the other side. Why? It's because we are fighting over control over the same territory. Ukraine is part of um, Russia's strategic security perimeter on which it relied for centuries for its security, right? So imagine if the Russians moved into Mexico. So that's how Putin views it. Not just Putin, the entire Moscow uh, regime insecurity apparatus. And so this is why he is doing the following things. First, he has announced that between 2023 and 2026, he is going to beef up Russian armed forces to 1.5 million. So they have already mobilized 315,000 in addition to the armed forces that are fighting in Ukraine, right? And so he also authorized an additional half a million. So these are the numbers that we're talking about. Number two, you asked about all the evidence. He just appointed Valery Gerasimov, who is the chief of Russian general staff. He's Mark Milley's uh, counterpart, right? And so imagine if we appointed Milley to conduct, to be in charge of the operations in the theater, right? Why is this significant? It's significant. Hey, Rebe Rebecca, Rebecca, yes. hang on, hang on one second. We're take a, we're gonna take a short commercial break. We'll okay. return with Rebecca Koffler. We're going through the expanded. Uh, Ukraine is about to become not just a front page story, a leading story as large scale warfare is about to break out. Large scale warfare. Forget World War One. Large scale warfare has not been seen on the European continent since the Second World War. And this is going to take place near Stalingrad, Kursk, places that know what war is. All next in the War Room. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. 
COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. Fair warning. Listen to this convicted home title thief explaining what happens when he forges your home's title and takes over as the new owner. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh no, I have title insurance. It's in my name or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. You're living in a delusion. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it or sold the property, it's 60 to 90 days for that person to even figure out that they're the victim of this crime. You start getting foreclosure notices. You've got four mortgages on your house. You don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Home title fraud is growing two and a half times faster than credit card fraud. You could be a victim and not even know it. Here's how to protect yourself and verify your home's title is still in your name. Visit HomeTitleLock.com promo code radio. Then register your address for your no obligation home title report, a $100 value you get for free. Again, get your free home title report at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. A lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees. But it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you spend your money. In less than a year, Public SQ has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never counsel you, counsel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. Here's the best part. It's absolutely, totally free to join. Just go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public, the word, the letters sq.com, and download the app today totally free. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can start to support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where we spend our hard earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today. Go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. <laughs> I just want to, Rebecca Koffler is our, is our, uh, our guest, almost like a contributor. She's been so dead spot on and so on so often. Rebecca, before we can, you're giving the evidence. I want to hear some more evidence, but I just want to alert our audience or give them a heads up that, um, and when you talk about the situation in, in, the, in NATO and for the people that founded NATO and for the generals that fought, and I'm talking about Patton, uh, uh, you know, Sir uh, uh, Bernard Law Montgomery, um, the, um, 
the other generals that fought uh, for the British and for the Americans. And as 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 crazy as uh, Winston Churchill was, sometimes and obsessed with obsessed with the um, uh, obsessed with the Balkans and the soft underbelly of Europe. Given the uh, the British uh, experience in the Crimean War, right, uh, Sevastopol. Given that Yalta, the conference that, quite frankly, we got double dealt uh, by, you know, essentially forces in Roosevelt's White House not to take Berlin. If you had told any of the generals, Rebecca, that that fought on the continent of Europe in World War II, and I'm talking about the top generals and the people that were there for the founding of NATO, and the, if you had told them that we were going to be in, what, 60, 70 years uh, 80 years of pushing to have Ukraine near Stalingrad and Kursk. We were going to have Ukraine as a member of NATO, and we were about to f- go in and fight a proxy war that would lead to a large-scale war with the United States in Ukraine. D- they would have said, are you nuts? I mean, there was never any—this is why the Russian people and the Chinese people, but the Russian people, not their leaders, but the Russian people were the great ally— of the West and the Americans, because they took the brunt of uh, the Wehrmacht uh, in the uh, in project in, uh, in Operation Barbarossa, and so much of that slaughter happened in the Ukraine. It, it is inconceivable that the men who fought in World War II on the battlefield in Western Europe, that the men who were there at the beginning in, 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 of NATO, and I remember this as a naval officer, and then back in the Pentagon in in the early '80s with President when President Reagan was there, and and the, you know Cap Weinberger, he talked about the North German plane and the and the German show. Even the concept that we would be arming Ukraine in a proxy war against the Russian military, and that we prepare, you know, they just had a quote unquote a wall Navy SEAL that you would have special forces operators already in there, and to be risking an expanded large-scale war between the West and Russia in Ukraine is, is inconceivable. People go, are you not? Am I wrong there? Or is it just the, the, the overall set to know that, uh, and I'm not talking about the sovereignty of Ukraine. I'm not talking about it as a nation state and, hey, the people are fighting, and if Europeans want to back them up, that's one thing. But they're not an ally. They're not an ally for a reason, right? I mean, even when the Eastern Bloc fell, there was no even concept in fact, I think all the deals we cut specifically said we wouldn't be trying to get Ukraine. That'd be like the Chinese Communist Party coming to Mexico and cutting a, a military alliance with Mexico that you could put uh, Chinese Communist uh, uh, missiles, you could put its equipment, you could put even its troops into into Mexico. It is, in fact, that's said even differently. And I know people's heads are going to blow up. It would be like uh, claiming the Gadsden purchase really wasn't accurate, and he put it in Arizona and parts of New Mexico. That's it'd be even be worse. Am I wrong in that, uh, Rebecca? You do this for a living. Is, it, would, would the the people that fought in World War II is, think that we'd ever be in Ukraine in a shooting war of the scale that Putin uh, is, antici- is, antici- is he's he's certainly going to uh, drop on the West? You're one thousand percent correct, Steve. Uh, these generals who fought these brutal wars, um, they would think it's nuts that we are right now weaponizing Ukraine and using them effectively as cannon fodder to protect Europeans who refuse to 
pay for their own security, right? It was very convenient to decrease the force posture um, during the Obama administration. And that's why Putin developed um, his tactics because, and, and, do, and very special doctrine because he always knew that there will come a time, because he was watching what we're doing in the United States, we admitted uh, the Baltics into NATO. Okay, so what that did was it reduced the proximity between NATO forces and Moscow, the heart of um, Putin's government, right, from a thousand miles to a hundred miles, Moscow and St. Petersburg, um, uh, the two largest cities. And so that is an unacceptable proximity and any general would understand that, right? We would do the same thing. And it's because the politicians, they don't real, they don't live in the real world. The generals understand real politics. And the politicians, they keep thinking how they're going to protect Europe by continuing pumping up Ukraine with these strategic level uh, military hardware. But nothing can be further from the truth. It just escalates. And besides the argument that Putin somehow is going to invade a NATO country is completely nuts. Because if Putin has trouble prevailing conventionally, right, even in this conflict, how in the world will he dare to invade Poland or any of these other countries because he knows it will trigger collective uh, defense, Article 5, right? And so this is the craziness that's going on. But just to complete the thought, you asked me for evidence, right, of why um, Putin is changing strategy from the special operation, he's calling it war right now, okay? And uh, Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, uh, just said just today that um, the Russian-US relations have uh, changed from hybrid warfare into a real war. And so, so here's the evidence one more time. Uh, he's increasing because the large-scale war is uh, demanding a lot more uh, military forces, right? Because every single war that the Russians have won, they've won it through relentless attrition of manpower, right? They're throwing people, they've lost 20 million people, 25 million people in, in World War II. So it's not an issue for them. That's how they do it. They just throw people into the meat grinder. So number one, increasing the armed forces to 1.5 million. Uh, augmenting uh, naval, airspace, and nuclear forces, okay? Nuclear forces remain on special combat alert to this day. He appointed Gerasimov, uh, which is the equivalent of, of General Milley, our um, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, to command forces in Ukraine. Who is Gerasimov? Gerasimov was the field commander of the 58th Command um, Combined Arms Army between 1998 and 2003. He responded to Putin's order to clean Grozny, um, the capital of Chechnya. So what happened was the Russian forces just 
turned Grozny into rubble that prompted the United Nations to designate Grozny as the most destroyed uh, city in the world. So my assessment is that Putin is preparing to Groznify um, Ukraine, right? Because he just simply cannot, you know, given that this is an existential threat for him, he cannot allow Ukraine as being part of NATO. And as long as he maintains um, conflict in Ukraine, Ukraine does not qualify for NATO because there's a requirement absence of ongoing uh, hostilities. And so an evidence num number whatever, three or four, is finally, because Putin understands that we may react as he is demolishing uh, Kiev and demolishing various parts of Ukraine to prevent it from falling into our hands finally and securing final control um, and getting it into NATO. So they're deploying right now Panzer System 1 um, anti-aircraft system on rooftops across central Moscow to include near the Kremlin, to include on top of the Russian Ministry of Defense and near Putin's Valdai residence in Novgorod region. Why is he doing it? Because he's preparing for a large scale war. He is expecting with this steady escalation that we are climbing with providing these weaponry, he's expecting uh, NATO to deploy forces potentially in re retaliation of him groznifying uh, Ukraine. So this is what's going on right now. In your professional experience outside of Vietnam, in, in Vietnam, we did sign an alliance with, but I don't think it made the formal treaty through the Senate uh, and through the House. But we had a we worked at a military alliance, and we had, uh, you know, at one time I think five hundred thousand combat troops in Vietnam. Uh, in Vietnam, you would have the head of the CIA, and you would have the the head of the Joint Chiefs go over and and brief their counterparts or the senior people in that country. Outside of that. Do you ever remember, have we ever sent the, has the United States government ever had the head of the CIA and the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff ever go to a non-ally and, and brief them? Uh, Burns was in was in uh, Kiev last week, and Milley was there a couple of days before him. Has there, and General Austin obviously was there, and, and, and the, head of the, uh, the head of the Secretary of Defense before they went to this conference. Has there, any, has there ever been this type of involvement in a non-ally that you've seen that the United States is is in this escalation process is engaged with direct counterparts in Ukraine? So I personally don't recall, right? Especially in the escalation. And that's an excellent point, uh, Steve, is because that's just one of the things that one of the indications and warnings that Russians are marking, like as a checkbox, right? The fact that these senior officials visited um, Kiev, in the middle of ongoing hostilities, it's yet another indicator to them that we are pre also preparing for a large-scale war. Remember, the Russians don't think like Americans, and that's what the Pentagon doesn't understand, the U.S. you know, intelligence community doesn't understand, is that um, Putin is interpreting everything and his commanders within the prism of that assessment that I just told you about, that they made 
um, about 10 years ago that a war between Russia and the U.S. Um, slash NATO is inevitable. And so every single step we, we take, whether it's, you know, we're providing javelins and, and, and stingers and, um, and uh, Patriot missiles, which is, is, is a very top of the line, you know, uh, strategic system that the Russians perceive it as a strategic uh, missile defense system. And so everything, every step they're interpreting as yet another step on what they call the escalation ladder. And it may not mean anything to an average American or even to uh, top brass in the Pentagon, but to the Russians, it actually, um, it's 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 like a piece of the puzzle that they're building and they're building this composite of what the threat looks like to them and they are responding to that threat and counterintuitively to western analysts the russians believe that they're acting in self defense the fact that putin is deploying you know uh air defense and missile defense to cover the gaps that right now exist that the US satellites can see in Russian missile defense system. That demonstrates that he is worried about an attack on Moscow, which by the way, uh, Ukrainian chief of intelligence, Padalyak, stated a couple of weeks ago that they are gonna uh, uh, strike deeper and deeper into Russia, and they have already done it, right? Remember, they have targeted the Crimean bridge. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, they've uh, targeted strategic air bases, angles, that where the Russians um, house their strategic nuclear bombers, right? So that is another indicator to them that we are also going to an all-out war. And so Putin, is reacting to all of this. And so this is the nightmare that is about to unfold, you know, two nightmares. It's, it's, unf it's, unf it's unfolding as you speak. Uh, how did people exactly. get to your book? Because your book puts you inside the mind, puts you inside the mind of, uh, of Putin. How do they get to that and how people get to your writings? Yeah, so the book uh, is Putin's Playbook. It's available anywhere on Amazon or in any bookstore. Um, I am on social media, Rebecca at 0132, um, on Twitter, Getter, and on Truth uh, Social, and I have a website, RebeccaCosla.com. But the book basically predicts the uh, Ukraine conflict because, as I told you, we knew everything about, you know, how Putin thinks. Yeah. And yet we didn't yep. do anything about it. And instead of de-escalating, yep. we are now escalating. And Biden yep. has no exit strategy yep. at this point. Uh, uh, every we'll, side we'll deal is, with that. We'll deal. Yeah. We'll de we'll de we'll deal with this afterwards. I gotta I gotta jump. Thank Rebecca Koffer. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. God Let's bless. Let's play the cold open. Thanks. Let's play the cold open for um for uh, uh Brandon. Governor, on the AP African American Studies course that was rejected by the state, been a lot of criticism of that move. Uh, people saying, you know, this is exactly what we were fearing with the individual freedom bill. I don't know if you or the commissioner could maybe expand a little bit more about sure, what was I mean, in that I course. think uh, so. 
Um, and as you know, uh, in the state of Florida, our education standards not only don't prevent, but they require teaching black history, all the important things that's part of our core curriculum. This was a separate course on top of that for advanced placement credit. And the issue is we have guidelines and standards in Florida. Uh, we want education, not indoctrination. If you fall on the side of indoctrination, we're going to decline. If it's education, then we will do this course. So when I heard it, we didn't meet the standards. I figured, yeah, they may be doing this here. It's way more than that. This course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. And so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on, that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think, but we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them. When you try to use black history to shoehorn in queer theory, uh, you are clearly trying to use that uh, for political purposes. Brandon Showwater, you've warned us about this. Brandon Showwater from the Christian Post, that this is what's going to incorporate and inform everything. You also have an update on the movie Dead Name. We've got a couple of minutes. Walk us through. Is is, is uh, Ron DeSantis right? Is he on to something there, sir? Uh, I think he's correct. And I think it's because of uh, the larger theory. That is, queer theory uh, goes hand in hand with transgender activism because it is... Uh, it's a, de it's a deconstruction of the sexual binary. That's the lie at the root of all of this, but it doesn't surprise me to hear that even with such important things as black history, that the shapers of today, the people, the powers that be within our education system who are shaping the, the minds of the next generation are using this queer theory to subvert other things because that is the be all end all for them. That is at the root of all of these other changes that we're seeing and it was showcased very, uh, poignantly in the dead name film that you mentioned, queer theory is the be all end all. It percolates just about everywhere. They insert this into children's programming, into books, into school curriculum, as, Doc, as Governor DeSantis was just saying. Um, it's truly toxic stuff. It's a, a friend of mine calls it gender pseudoscience. This stuff is everywhere. Um, and we must keep a watchful eye on it um, because it's really destroying lives. We have to keep a watchful. We have to keep a watchful eye. And the audience was raving about Dead Name. We got about ninety seconds. What happened to it? What happened to the movie? Where is it? <laughs> well, DeadNameDocumentary.com is its new home. Vimeo just this morning took it down. Poof! Just we don't. I mean, we're still trying to get answers. The filmmaker with. Brokenhearted Films, which you played the trailer and you're playing it now, um, where three families ripped apart by this queer theory, <laughs> uh, transgender ideology, and that's really, that's those two things are intricately related. But we don't know, it's the censorship of, you know, not only will queer theorists and transgender activists try to shoehorn, you know, black history, you know, use that as a cover to further queer theory, they have clearly have allies at Vimeo and other media streaming platforms that will censor any opposing view or anything else that tries to show a dissent or objection or a critical, uh, in this case, intimate portrait glimpse of what it's really like for families. So they are censorious where they don't get their way and they'll use other things to further their other ideological goals. We, we got about 20 seconds. How do people go get the film today? Dead film, dead name still back up. Where do people go? 
it's getting back up. Um, you, they can go watch the trailer and see. Keep checking this website, deadnamedocumentary.com. That's its new home. Brandon, fantastic reportage. We're going to have you back on in a couple of days. Make sure everybody gets to see this film. We're not going to allow these streaming services just to rip it down so people can get it. Brandon from thank the you. Christian Post. Brandon Showwater, th- thank you so much, and thank you for staying on top of the story. Back here tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be on fire. That I can commit to you. See you then. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Soul Tea. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.